We are going to Galatians chapter 3 and I just want to read a few verses from the end of the chapter beginning at verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We've previously heard the Apostle Paul tell the Galatians they all were the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And this identification as children and by association and consequence heirs of God and heirs with Christ Jesus. It was a precious truth to the apostle. He, he mentions it in Romans chapter 8 as well. And it gave him, it gave the apostle and through him it has given to us a proper and better perspective on redeemed men and women and the the, the, the spiritual society of which we are a part than might usually have prevailed in public society at any time in any part of the world and certainly more than prevailed in the religious societies of the Apostles' time. And it gave the Apostle Paul this, this concept of of us being children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, it gave him a proper estimation of our common spiritual privileges, of what it meant to be in Christ and share the commonwealth of the true spiritual Israel. And this has been the thrust of the Apostles' argument in Galatians chapter 3. And it is seen here once again in the conclusion of this wonderful chapter. The Apostle speaks of being baptised into Christ. Not so much, I suggest, referring to our outward baptism with water, but rather the spiritual baptism of being hidden in Christ in eternal election and the outpouring of grace upon us in Holy Spirit regeneration and being cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed on the cross for our sin according to the death of the Saviour in our place. And these spiritual realities, um, I, I, I suggest to you, are what the outward ordinance of baptism symbolise or is a, is a picture of. 
And the apostle goes on to speak about this uh, be, being having been baptized into Christ as a putting on of Christ. That is being united to him and covered by him. That's what this sense is of putting on Christ, uh, being united to him so that in the same way as you sort of put on a jacket or put on a coat and it kind of becomes part of you. Um, so putting on Christ speaks of us being united to him and of being covered by him. And to, to, to carry on the, 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 the baptism analogy, being immersed in him so inwardly and outwardly that we're identified with Christ. That it's hard to tell you apart. It's hard to tell us apart. Am I looking at Christ or am I looking at his people? Am I looking at his people or am I looking at Christ? And we've put on Christ and we're joined to him. And the Father sees us as such. He regards us and considers us in Christ. So that when he looks at us, he sees Christ. And when he looks at Christ, he sees us. And we profess him as such. We who belong to him and, and desire to follow him ever more closely and are enabled to do so to a degree by the Holy Spirit. For us, putting on Christ is suggestive of putting on that garment, putting on that coat, and that being the outward uh, manifestation uh, of the, the church of Jesus Christ and the people of God in this world. Actually, um, the, 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 uh, the subject of our sermon for next Sunday is thy beautiful garments. So even Isaiah was speaking about the church's beautiful garments, the righteousness of God. And we'll be thinking about that next, next Lord's Day. But the essence, the essence is that we have Christ for a covering. We are covered with his righteousness. We are represented by his presence and we are secured under his protection. And Paul has spoken a lot in this passage of God's gift of righteousness and justification. And we call that, I've used the phrase in the past few weeks, I'll use it again now, we call that imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness, not, not works righteousness, but a righteousness that is put on us, imputed to us, and a righteousness that justifies as a gift from God. And while we contend adamantly that Imputed righteousness is entirely a work of divine grace. Yet in putting Christ on, we are professing our belief. We are testifying to the fact uh, that we have acceptance with God. Not on the ground of our own work or our own holiness, but upon the merits of the accomplishments of our Saviour and Deliverer. So there is an imputed righteousness given as a gift from God, and by putting Christ on, we are testifying to our 
belief, our faith in the imputed righteousness of Christ. We testify to our understanding of and our belief in Christ's work of salvation and reconciliation, making us right with God, making us one with God. That's what the word atonement means, at one meant atonement. In putting on Christ, we confess Christ as the ground of our hope and acceptance with God. And then the apostle goes on to talk about the difference that makes, because it does make a difference. Having that knowledge, having that understanding, having that hope, having that message delivered to us and receiving it and embracing it and trusting in it, that makes a difference in our lives because faith gives us hope and confidence in the suitableness of Christ's righteousness to enable us to appear in the presence of God. If we had to be sure of our own worth, of our own worthiness, we'd never, <laughs> we'd never as, as born-again children have the audacity, the temerity, the brazenness to appear in God's presence. We just wouldn't do it. If we, if we had to know that we were, you know, here's a, here's a thing, you know, you hear about these people that, that never feel fit to go forward to the Lord's table. Why is that? Because they've got the wrong idea of what it is to be saved. They've got a wrong idea what it is to have communion with the Lord. They think it's based on their own efforts, their own works, and they're not worthy to go forward and have communion at the table. Well, take away communion at the table and think about our union with God in heaven. How much less would we be worthy of entering into the very presence of God and rejoicing in our union with God, with Christ, if it was based on our own abilities. And that's exactly, so that, so, that, so that belief in the imputed righteousness of God, of Christ, gives a believer boldness in the presence of God. And that's exactly what these troublers amongst the Galatians were attacking. They, they were suggesting that there was more required. And so Paul in this chapter, he has been telling his friends, the Galatians, that these Judaizers, the, the garment that the Judaizers were trying to sell to the Galatians was a coat too small. It was too small to fit their need. And faith puts off its own righteousness and it makes use of Christ's righteousness as the most suitable wedding garment in which to appear before the Most High God. We have, by grace, put off the old man and put on the new. And this conversion, this transformation, affects the people we are. And it affects the values that we profess. Our outward walk, our affections, our conversations, they're not ruled by the old nature anymore. We grieve for our sin in the flesh and we desire to live for Christ. That's just a reality. 
That's a real, the devil might tempt us into thinking that, that, that that's not so, that we, we're not up to it, we can't live like that. But the reality is that in the new man, that's our desire. Following after him as our example, desiring to walk as he walked, live as he lived, serve as he served his father. And if we are not yet able to long for the day when we'll lay down this body of flesh, yet we anticipate that day with a sense of peace, knowing that we shall be completely rid of sin and able to experience perfect holiness with Christ. So now the Apostle is going on in these last couple of verses to apply this doctrine that he has been preaching and teaching, writing about. And he says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Back again to that theme, that idea of the children of God. As children of God accepted in Christ, no believer has any more or any less standing before God than another. Dare I say, than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In Christ Jesus, we are one. The Father looks upon us as one body. There's no one better than another in God's sight or in God's estimation. No one is more holy. No one is more blessed. No one is more highly regarded or dearly loved than another. And and switch that around. Look at it from the other side. No one is less so. Not for all the failures. Not for all the troubles. Not for all the, 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 the problems. Not for all the sinning. Not one of us is less highly esteemed or loved of God for our pluses or our minuses. The Lord does not regard Jews better than Gentiles or the Greeks. He doesn't regard free men above slaves or men above women. What a wonderful, refreshing, energising, inspirational message that must have been for the Galatians especially given their present problems with these Judaizers. And of course, that that doesn't deny that there are differences in uh, our society. But in God's eyes, there are no races in the context of eternal election. There are no preferences when it comes to strength or intellect. There's no discrimination in matters of sex. All God's dealings with his people is founded upon grace and God is no respecter of persons. And nor should we be in the church. There's no place for prejudices and biases and bigotries amongst believers. These These discriminatory practices have characterised much of history and man's dealings with man. But what a wonderful society the new heaven and the new earth will be when there's no more sin and men and women shall live in harmony with their saviour and with each other. In God's great wisdom, 
We are all equally chosen in Christ, all united to Christ and all heirs with Christ. And that's one of the main reasons why we don't have any time for this notion of degrees of reward in heaven. Having Christ, we have everything. We are all redeemed by the same blood, justified with the same righteousness, uh, regenerated by the same quickening spirit, recipients of the same faith, heirs of the same grace and glory. We are one new man in Christ, one body of which Christ is the head, one bride, one family, one church, one spiritual people. So Paul says to the Galatians here, if ye be Christ's, if we belong to him, we are his possession. Not only by creation, he made us, he has a right to us, but by the Father's gift in eternal election. He gifted us to the Son. By the Son's own purchase, he bought us with his blood. And by the Holy Spirit's converting grace, by which we gladly give ourselves to Christ. So, we are Christ's by so many criteria. We belong to Jesus Christ and he will never give up his people. He calls us, he calls us his jewels <laughs> and he's coming to collect his jewels, his precious possession. And these Galatians, they were under pressure from the Judaizers who claimed priority for Abraham's seed and for Moses' law. But Paul says he's having none of it. He says the true spiritual seed of Abraham are men and women of faith, not men and women of some genetic descent. Abraham obtained righteousness by God's grace. It was a gift. He was an heir of God's blessing by promise, not by works, not by merit, not by nationality. And so were the Galatians. And so are we. The Judaizers were telling the Galatians, what you've got is good so far as it goes, but you need more. And Paul says, no. If you have Christ, you have everything. If you are a child of God, you have everything. If you are done trusting in your own works, your own strength and your own righteousness, you have everything that you will ever need for time and eternity. You've got Christ and Christ is all. And I know that some of you struggle and are tried and are full of doubt and fear about what is lying ahead. And that is a feeling that is the same as these Judaizers were trying to put on the Galatians. It's the same temptation that says, what if simple trust isn't enough? What if I'm missing out? What if, what if there's more and I'm an imposter? And Paul knew how devious the flesh is and how prone we all are to such feelings. 
and he knew that the Galatians had been deceived by that spirit, bewitched by that foolish notion, but he also knew that these saints belonged to Christ and that they were sinners saved by grace. And that's why he calls them his brethren. The devil will tell you that what you have isn't sufficient. That there's more and that you've no right to imagine that you can merely rest in Christ. Well, I tell you, in the words of the Apostle Paul, ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are heirs according to the promise. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us today.